Welcome to Conversations. I'm your host, Doug Dewan, and thank you for spending some time with us this weekend. Joining me this segment is a woman who needs no introduction or only needs one name to introduce her, Delilah from Point Hope and, of course, here on 94.1 The Sound. Uh, join us as we look at issues that affect us here at home in our community and across the nation. Today we're going to be talking about something very close to your heart, Point Hope. Delilah? It is my heart. It is uh, such a huge part of my every thought, everything that I do. Literally everything that I do in the course of a day, there is a thought or a connection, a heart connection to Point Hope. Um, I started Point Hope years ago, back in the 90s when I was in Philadelphia, when I had been fired here in Seattle (laughs) and uh, had to move to the East Coast. I was living in Philadelphia and there was a a huge homeless population. Now every major city in America Mm -hmm. has this issue. But at the time, um, Seattle really didn't at least certainly not to the degree that Philly had. Mm. So when I started it, um, it was because I had come upon a woman and her three children sitting on the sidewalk begging for food. And that was the impetus to start Point Hope. And we started uh, very small, handing out sandwiches and blankets and coats to the homeless population. But really, we were just trying to find their story so we could be a liaison between the services that were available, but were not being accessed. So for that person, we were able to help her find a caseworker that was able to help her find housing, able to help her, Mm. you know, turn things around. She was homeless because of an abusive relationship that she had fled with her children. Um, And then it morphed into what it is today. And today we are our tagline is we are a voice for forgotten children. And here in the States, Doug, we work uh, in the in the system that is very broken that uh, provides for the needs of children in foster care. I don't even like to call them foster children Mm. because that's a label that you're calling a child, something, a foster child. And I hate that. It is a child who is stuck in a foster system Mm -hmm. and the foster care system in our nation is so horrifically broken it is an abomination. Well, how so? Like what? Like I mean, I think we all understand that it's not great. But what is it? Oh, about it's beyond the not great. That is that is making it so bad. Everything, everything is making it so bad. And and childcare in America has always been bad, mm-hmm. um, but it's just progressively gotten worse and worse and worse over the decades, uh, largely in part due to methamphetamines and um, Oxycontin and heroin. You know, the, the more the drug abuse rises, the more child abuse rises. Mm. So children that are in the foster care system are there for neglect and abuse. And there are certain people that are by law required to report neglect or abuse when they see it. So a school teacher, if you are a teacher, if you're in the education system, if you're a healthcare provider, if you're a counselor, you are by law required to report suspected child abuse. And then CPS st- steps in to um, investigate this abuse. And a child is taken by force from their family who sometimes is abusive. There's no doubt about it. But oftentimes it's uh, an angry ex who is trying to get even with the spouse and so reports horrific abuse to hurt their partner and the children are forcibly taken 
they're taken and then they're stuck in this very broken system. And oftentimes they're returned within 24, 48 hours. There has to be an investigation. Oftentimes, like for in Seattle, for instance, um, there are not nearly enough foster homes for the number of children that are put in the system. So the CPS has a contract with local hotels. And the children are oftentimes taken to local hotels where they are shoved in a hotel room. Let me repeat that in case you missed it. No. That seems like an are you kidding me moment. Say that again. Children who are who have a reported abuse situation oftentimes are taken from the parent or grandparent or the setting that they're in. And because CPS does not have enough licensed foster homes, they are put in local hotels. I know you're right now I'm watching your body and you are physically having a physical reaction to this it's a struggle it's not it's not a rumor you can look it up it's true um there are three of my family members who are currently police officers and part of their job is patrolling one of these designated hotels which is in the south part of puget sound and on any given night they will have two or three calls to the hotel because these are kids who are Largely unsupervised, running up and down the halls, you know, kids who have been in horrifically tragic situations or kids who are desperately scared because they're missing their mom or whatever. And the only thing that the that can be done is they call the police and then the police can't really do anything. They can't touch them. They, you know, can't even stop them from hurting themselves or harming themselves. It's crazy. The system, Doug, is so broken and it's I use the word abomination and there is no system that I know of in America that is a bigger disgusting mess than our child protective services. So you have a quote on your website for Point Hope that says just one person can literally change the world. Hearing about the, the, the current state of this system. What is it that you want to change? How do you want to change it? What are you doing to change it? First, people need to know so they can care. Yeah. People can't care if they don't know. I would guess that probably 90% of the people listening right now have no idea that in America there are half a million children that will go to bed tonight not knowing where they might be sleeping tomorrow night. And I'm not talking about the homeless population. I'm talking about kids who will go to bed in a stranger's home tonight called a foster home. And tomorrow, a foster care worker may show up at that house. They may show up at their school and they will say, get in the car. You're being moved. Why? What did I do wrong? You didn't do anything wrong. Or you fought with your foster mom or your foster dad had a heart attack or because we said and the child has no control over anything going on in their life. No control. They don't have a suitcase, and they are then moved to another placement. The average placement less lasts than eight months. That is insane. That is insane. It is insane. Who thinks that this is okay? No counselor or psychologist that you ever meet will tell you it is a good idea for children to be ripped away from primary bonds. A child that's ripped away from primary bonds two or three times becomes a psychopath. Because they cannot form a primary bond. If you can't form a primary bond with another human being, you don't care. 
And so we are creating, we are taking beautiful, precious children, our greatest resource. There is nothing more valuable in our nation, in our world than a child. They are our future. They are tomorrow. They need to have skills. They need to have an education. They need to get to paint, get to draw, get to play, get to sing, get to dance, get to dream about becoming a doctor, get to dream about uh, designing the next skyscraper or or the next rocket ship or the next you know trip to Mars. They are our future, and we are not we are not doing right by them. And so my first goal is to educate people so they know. Mm -hmm. Because if you know, if you know that today in Seattle there are thousands of children who will not get to go out for football because there's no money to buy them football cleats. They will not get to go out for rally because they can't afford the $80 rally uniform. They will get moved tomorrow, maybe to an aunt's house, maybe to an uncle's house, maybe to a complete stranger's house. Then you can go, wow, what if that were my kid? Mm-hmm. What if that, what if something happened to me and that were my kid or my grandkid? And then you can start to care. And once you start to care, hopefully that will motivate you to take action. What kind of actions can we take? Oh, my gosh. Well, go to our Point Hope website and sign up to be a volunteer. Um, we do things like have closets where uh, kids care closets where if a child is being moved from one placement to another, or from one school to another, they can come to our closet and they can get clothes, they can get shoes, they can get soccer cleats. Uh, we partner with other organizations that are already well-established and help get those kids to the resources they need. Um, you can volunteer to put on something we call a tenista, which is a day of pampering for teenage girls who are in the system, teenage girls in the system, less than 5% ever go to college. 2% is the actual number of girls who go through the foster care system that actually ever go to college. Very few graduate high school. And so we plan a day just to focus on them. And we bring in speakers, women who have been through foster care, and they speak life to these girls. They say, hang in there. They say, there are federal funds available for you to go to college. If you just graduate high school, you don't even have to graduate with a three point GPA. You just have to get up and go to school every day. And we say we we try to speak life and say you can't affect your circumstances. You didn't choose this mess, but you can affect your decisions and how the trajectory of your life is going to go. Choose wisely for yourself choose to protect yourself from teenage pregnancy choose to protect yourself from getting into an abusive relationship like your mother was in or your grandmother was in or whatever make good choices for yourself but that in order to make a good choice for yourself you have to love yourself you have to like yourself you have to think that you deserve good choices and these girls don't know that They don't know that. I would assume it would be pretty difficult without role models around on a consistent enough basis to witness. I think a lot of the formative years that we went through as people was watching people and how they behave. If you don't have adults around you on a consistent basis, how do we provide that for them? Exactly. What's what's the next step into doing this? And then we encourage people to become a CASA worker. If you cannot be a foster parent, and a lot of people can, they just don't know they can. Mm. 
a lot of people don't realize. They think, oh, I need to own my own house. No, you don't. You can rent. Oh, I can't live in an apartment. Yes, you can. You can. Oh, I need to have a job where I make, you know, more than 100000 a year or 70000 a year. Whatever. No, you don't. There are funds available to help you to be a good foster parent. Hmm. If you cannot be a foster parent, you can certainly become uh, somebody who volunteers to work with these kids. And boys, oh my gosh, 80% of boys who are in foster care 18 months or longer end up incarcerated by the age of 25. If you're, uh, you know, have a, a passion to help kids, to keep them out of prison, to keep them out of the system, then go play basketball with them. Go shoot hoops with them. It's not hard. You get fingerprinted. You make sure you don't have a, you know, a, a bad background where you're going to be abusing these kids mm. and you get involved with them. So we help people to make those choices. We help people to uh, hopefully become CASA workers. CASA workers are uh, appointed advocates who um, aren't concerned with what's best for mom or dad. They're not concerned what's best for the state. They're concerned about what's best for the kid. It's a guardian and litem, right? Similar, very similar. Uh, but a CASA worker advocates for the child, goes to the court meetings, talks to the judge, but mostly they talk to the kid and say, what do you want? What, mm. what, do you, what are you going through? What is best for you? There is a law that kids are supposed to be legally free, relinquished for adoption if they are in the system 18 months or longer. Hmm. It's never applied. It never happens. Kids are stuck in the system for three, four, five, six, ten years because the state's goal is always reunification with the parents. Well, if the parent has already been in prison for beating a kid, really, is this a great goal? Is this a, you know, you have to think about this. And so a CASA worker or a guardian ad litem, what they do is they listen to the child and they get to know them and then they advocate for them. They say, you know what, I don't think it's really good for them to stay stuck in the system another two or three years. I think they need to be relinquished so they can have a forever placement. Yes. So that's what we do. Um with our work here. We also work um, overseas. We work in developing nations. We've been to Haiti. Um, we've uh, worked with uh, populations in Liberia and in West Africa, where the average person lives on less than $2 a day. That is insane to me that that's even possible. It is. And, and I said something earlier that everything I do is colored by my work with Point Hope. If you come to my house, Doug, you will be shocked that I don't have anything new in my house. I own nothing new. Well, my radio equipment. But um, I everything I buy secondhand or used or is gifted because – and I don't go out to eat very often, maybe once a month. Mm. I don't go to coffee shops, even though I love chai tea lattes. But a $5 cup of tea will feed a child in West Africa – will feed a child a meal, like breakfast, for a week. Yeah, I can feel, feed a child for a week on one cup of chai tea. Um, when I started working in developing nations and I discovered that water is a precious resource, we think of it as a human right. We think of water as a human right. We do. I have never had a day in my life growing up in America living in Oregon and Washington and, and the East Coast for a short time, that I did not have access to fresh water. 
I know people who've had their water cut off. You go next door and you borrow water. Mm -hmm. Or you go to a gas station and you turn on a hose. We think of water as a human right. In developing countries, water is life and it's not available. It's not available. Um, I have a daughter who's 18 now who has the muscle development that would blow your mind because when she was two and three years old, she walked three miles one way to carry a jug of water back on her head back to the refugee camp where she lived. Water is life. And at three years old, she was carrying a bucket of water on her head every day, sometimes twice a day. She would walk 12 miles a day, three miles but there, three miles back, and then again in the evening to keep herself and her siblings alive. And so you will never see me standing at the sink running water down the drain while I brush my teeth. I yell at my kids, turn off the water, turn off the water, turn off the water. They get in the shower. I'm like, get out of the shower. I just got in. You got in 17 minutes ago. I'm standing here timing you, and you just wasted more water than the kids in the refugee camp have access to in a month. Get out of the dang shower now. We are gluttonous when it comes to water. We really are. And we don't even think about it. We don't even think about it. But once you've been there, once you see people dying for lack of fresh water, once you see a room of people dying of cholera because there's feces in the water, you never look at water the same again. I will never look at water the same again. And, and I think we've all been so conditioned that people don't have access to water. People don't have access to water. I feel like I'm so undereducated, so unaware of what the solution is to this. I hear about people building wells. Are we building irrigation? How do you, how do you solve this problem? For them? Yes, that's how. We build wells. We build irrigation. Um, we educate people. Uh, Point Hope that works in, in developing nations, we have 12 pillars, and each one builds on the next. I have the list right in front of me. Can Go I ahead, read, read it. Yeah, yeah, I've wanted to read these because uh, it's living so water. Each one, so living water is just what it says. Mm-hmm. It is water for life. And in some areas, we've dug wells. In some areas, we've had to lay irrigation pipes. We've put in filtration systems. We've talked to scientists and learned simple but effective filtration systems because without water, you're going to die. You can live three days without water. Do you know the numbers? Because I have the numbers right here of go how ahead. many gallons a day yeah, you provide. Yeah, go ahead, because I'm pretty proud Between 325,000 and over 500,000 gallons a day that you're providing of fresh, clean, drink, drinkable, potable water to Potable water for it's unbelievable. these people. Yeah. Five, half, half a million gallons a day. A day, yeah. So when we started working, and uh, Budaburam is the refugee camp that I started working in, there was no fresh water. You had to walk to a lake, throw a bucket in the lake, pull it in on a string, put it on your head, and walk back to the refugee camp. Or you could buy water from a truck that drove to the lake, threw a pipe in the lake, sucked the water up, and sold it to you for the equivalent of 25 cents a bucket. The water was something I would not wash my dog in, and this was the only access Mm -hmm. to water. It was mud. And within a couple of months of getting fresh water to the camp took us a few years but within a few months the mortality rate for the camp went down 75 percent unbelievable and within a year for the whole region because we didn't just put water into the refugee camp we put it into the whole region it was 90 percent 
mortality rate went down. People were dying for lack of living water. Mm-hmm. Which is so that's the first pillar. Incredible. That's the first thing you got to yeah. do. I mean, next to air, the thing you need most is water. Yeah, and I'm just kind of like bullet point these. So it's nutrition, agriculture, uh, nutritional education, early childhood education, basic education, special needs and disabilities. By the way, you run the gambit on literally everything here. Higher education, skills training, entrepreneurship, which is not one I was anticipating, but I totally get why it's there. Allow people to be self-sufficient. That's great. Health and welfare, and then Point Hope Village. I want to talk about Point Hope Village. I want you to tell me what that is. Why is this so important? Why is this the twelfth pillar? Um, well, everything, like I said, build on builds on itself, and you can't have you can't jump to number four if you don't have number one. Mm-hmm. You can't jump to number seven if you don't have number three. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they all build on themselves. And when I first started working there, my passion is gardening. Uh, that's what I do. It's who I am. I garden. I garden winter, spring, summer, and fall. I garden. I grow thousands of pounds of produce. So when I started working there, I noticed that the other NGOs, the other nonprofit organizations that were doing similar work or trying to help people, were using this system where they would bring in food, they would feed people, and then they would leave. And I thought, this is so broken. If you're bringing in food, you're you're creating dependencies. I don't want to create a dependency. I don't want to. I got enough kids at home dependent upon me. I don't want to create any dependencies. I want to create independence. So how can I help do that? There is beautiful land where where in the area we work, and it's it's not being used. Because over the last hundred years, people have left the farms, they've left the villages, they've gone into the capital cities, and they say, I want to learn tech, I want to learn high tech. Mm-hmm. Okay, you don't have a sewer system. Yeah. Can we can we talk about that before we talk about an iPad? No. They, you know, unfortunately, developing nations see the very worst of our culture. They see 90210. That's what they see. You know, they see televisions and they want one. And... So there's land that was not being used. So I bought some and I said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to teach agriculture. We're going to teach sustainable farming. We're going to teach how to raise your own food naturally without chemicals and pesticides. Mm -hmm. So I started doing that. And then I said, you know what? All these kids, there's a bunch of orphan kids, a bunch of disabled kids that were trying to meet their needs. But the one thing that was missing the most was a sense of family a sense of community and if there's anything you know about me if you get to know me i believe that the key to our future beyond children is our community if you have a strong community if you can build a strong community where kids needs are first not last i you know god bless football players but our kids need a strong community for health and and care and 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 education long before we need another damn stadium. Why we have two massive stadiums and we've got kids that that don't have health care, that don't have dental care in our state, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. So I wanted to give this sense of community to these disenfranchised people that we were working with. We work with a lot of people who have disabilities. And here in America, you know, 100 years ago, if you had a disability, you were judged. 
Thank mm. God that has changed. And we've got equal rights acts. We've got equal access laws. You know, you can't build a playground that doesn't allow a child in a yeah. wheelchair to be able to access it. They don't have that in developing nations. No. And what they do have is stigma. There's a big stigma attached, especially where I work, to children who are born blind or deaf or with cerebral palsy, um, with autism, whatever it is. Not only is there no resources, there's no education. Yeah. And there was a young woman who was her, – her husband was a doctor from France in the camp who had – a background in special needs education and and special needs care. She was, I believe, a nurse, and she took it upon herself to begin a little program that she then gifted to Point Hope when she when their time was up and they left. And the first the first part was education. You know, we had to go find kids because they were literally locked inside and say, I understand you have a child. No, 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 mommy, no, no. Yes, you do. That's in a wheelchair. I can help you. Mm. What? I can help you. We built a playground where they can come and play. So we started um, working with all these disenfranchised people. And I said, we need a home for them. We need a place where they're not outcast. And so Point Hope Village, the the notion of it was birth. That was 15, 16 years ago. Wow. And uh, the last five years, we've been diligently working, and it is a collection of small houses um, and a larger building that's a nutrition and wellness clinic. Uh, the third floor are uh, rooms where volunteers can come and stay for six days, six weeks, six months, six years. You tell us. So if you're a retired nurse and you say, you know what, I would really like to make a difference in the world, we will take you. If you're an engineer and you say, you know what, I'm great with infrastructure, I could put a better water system into your gardens, we'll take you. Uh, We've had a lot of nurses volunteer, which has been awesome. We had a young man who was going to med school to become uh, an eye specialist. He went while he was in school. He was going to spend a few days. He spent a few months. He is now graduated. He's got his own practice, and he's come back. And with technology, with uh, smartphones, you can actually measure people's eyes with very simple tools now. It's incredible. It's incredible, and we've been able to get glasses and to give vision to people that were blind. Um, You name it, we take volunteers, and if you don't have a specific skill set that we can use, we'll find something for you. So the very first words on the Point Hope website are greatness can be found in service. Now, for... For everything you're saying, you're basically saying, go serve other people. Go serve other people. Go help other people. And if your thing isn't kids, if, you, if, you, if you're like, ah, point hope, point hope, whatever, go to your local uh, animal shelter. They need dog walkers. Uh, our Kitsap Animal Shelter, I love them. They're a no-kill shelter. They need dog walkers, people that will come and exercise the dogs and, and, and work with them and calm them down. If you if your thing isn't dogs, if your thing isn't kids, go clean up a slough. Go clean up. They have cleanup days for our beaches. Go clean up a beach. And if you don't want to go join people and be a part of the community, which you really should because we need you to be a part of the community, but if you're a loner, take a bag. Go to Alki Beach, walk along the beach and pick up trash, put it in the bag. It's real there's so many ways you can serve, but it means leaving your yourself and your selfishness and I want to sit here and watch reels all day and go, how can I make a difference? <laughs> how can I make a difference? 
Yeah. My dad used to say to me, sis, go do something. Go do what? Even if it's wrong, go do something. Go make a difference. Get out of your seat. Get out of your seat. Go do something. Go do something. But I'm watching the Flintstones. Um, go do something. Go serve somebody. Go to If you're a musician, go to a nursing home. Do you know how much you will bless seniors who don't get a lot of visitors if you just go to a nursing home? They'll let you in now. COVID's over. Go to a nursing home. Be respectful. Stay six feet away. Wear a mask if you want to. Play a guitar. Play the piano. Play a ragtime song. Go do something to be a blessing, to be a help, to be kind to others. So you want to be a blessing. You want to be hope. You want to be kind to others through Point Hope. What can they do? How do they do it? Pointhope.org. That's it. Pointhope.org. Click on the how do I volunteer? How do I get involved? Pointhope.org. We will take you. We will take your passion. We will take your gifts. We will gladly take your donations if you want. Um, I tell people all the time, we need, obviously, funds to continue. But more than that, we need your love and we need your prayers and we need your well wishes. So if you don't have resources to donate, that's okay. If you can just talk to somebody, if you can spend an hour a week encouraging a child who's in foster care, that will change the trajectory of somebody's life. So everybody has something they can give. Um, Robin Roberts wrote a book, Everybody's Got Something, about everybody's got something in their past that haunts them, but everybody's got something to give. Everybody has a gift to give. Figure out what yours is and then share it. Go to pointhope.org and we will use you till we use you up. Well, I can tell just immediately what your gift is, and it's shining a light on things that need to be changed and making sure that they're getting changed. So I thank you for the service that you put into the world. Thank you. And I thank you for joining me today. Is there anything that I did not cover that you're like, you know what, this is burning inside of me, I have to get it out? Or did we did we do a decent job? Well, uh, the one thing I would say is if parents are listening, you are not doing your child a service by getting them addicted to devices. The not, the the statistics for hours spent on devices is mind-boggling. Get your kids involved in the community. Get your kids involved in in sports and activities in Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, in in choir, in band class. Get your kids involved with things where they're a part of a team where they're a part of a group, where they're a part of a community, get them off the damn devices and plugged into life. You know, and we live here in the Pacific Northwest, Doug. Go to Issaquah, go to Snoqualmie Falls, go to go to Lincoln Park, go to Alki Beach, go to Discovery Park, go for walks, go enjoy the beauty of this area. That's it. You know, that's, I was that's I, my rant. I was in school band and I played athletics. So I'm very much in favor of those two things. Yeah, it's it, it builds character, it builds community. That's what we need is a strong community. Agreed. Delilah, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Conversations is a public affairs pro show of this station.